They say the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Well, you, you and I, we were meant to be free. And now God invites you to a soul-shaking, chain-breaking, life-giving adventure with your closest friends. We will share our stories of struggle and bravely explore the uncharted places of our soul. We will do this together and promise one another we won't stop until we are free. Liberation awaits. Today, freedom calls out your name. This is the way, the new way to be free. Good morning once again. It's great to have all of you here again at Highlands Church. Today we are beginning a seven-week journey together. The journey is coming in the form of this church-wide series called Freeway. And in this series, we are going to learn what it means to be free in Christ. And we're going to look at the things that keep us from living as free people. And this, of course, goes along with our time of significant sacrifice, which Jennifer was talking about earlier. If you are a guest with us this morning, significant sacrifice is a time 40 days leading up to Easter that we give up something. I've given up desserts and chocolate this year. You give something up that has a monetary value, and then you put the money aside from that thing, and then we're going to collect all the money together, and we're going to send it to LifeWater to build wells in, in Ethiopia this year. So we're really excited to be doing that along with this series. It's not too late to get started with Freeway. Today I'm going to be talking about kind of leading you into the introduction for the book. You can get one of these books after church in the cafe right over here, and there are instructions on how to get involved. You can join an existing group, men's or women's or young adults, or you can just form one of your own with some of your friends. And so it's a great way to get involved. Our first scripture reading in this series is one that is one of Jesus' most famous stories that, he's, that he told in his time on earth. It's the parable of the prodigal son. And so we're going to take a fresh look at this great story together this morning, and I want to invite you to read along with me. It's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. And this is the third of, a, of parables about lost things in, in succession in this chapter. It begins like this. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set out for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. 
When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful for this story because it reveals to us so much about who you are and and how you see us. And so, Lord, whether this is the first time that someone here has heard this story or if they've heard it a hundred times, I pray that you would give us fresh eyes to see it anew and to hear your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Two brothers grew up on the central coast on one of the most productive plots of land around. It was a place of abundance. And even in times of drought, the land produced more than the people could possibly need. When it was time for college, the, other brother, the older brother decided to go to Cal Poly, where he could be close to home so that he could work in the morning on the farm before he went to his classes and where he could spend his weekends working at home. A few years later, the younger brother took a different approach to school. He went to a college a long way off. He got into the school by the skin of his teeth. In fact, his father had to pull a few strings to get him in the door. The son partied all the way through college, and he really never came home. He didn't come and help out on the farm as his brother had done. Though he was capable of making the dean's list, he, he really just, bar- he did enough just to barely scrape by. 
And then when he finally graduated after six and a half years, (laughs) the father came to him with a very generous offer. He said, I want to give you and your brother the family business. I'm excited about this. Your brother is already on board. And so when when you get get back, we're going to take the next five to 10 years and I'm going to teach you everything there is to know. And then I'm going to hand it off to you. And this younger son coldly replied, Dad, I don't want your life. And I'm not crazy about working with my brother either. You've never done anything for me. And my brother has always been the golden child anyway. Then he thought for a second and he said, Since you're so anxious to give me what's yours, why don't you just give me my share in the form of money right now? For some reason, the the dad said, Okay. He did that, and his younger son went to Vegas. He went directly to Vegas. He did not pass go. He, did not, he didn't need to collect $200. He went to Vegas, and there he stayed in expensive hotels, and he gambled, and he had expensive meals, and he hooked up with all sorts of women, and he did drugs, and in a few years, the money was gone. The money went to Vegas, And it stayed in Vegas. (laughs) Now, if Jesus had told the the story, the parable, the prodigal son today, he might have started his parable with a, a similar story as this for us here. And perhaps hearing this contemporary version of the beginning of this parable can begin to help us understand just what this younger son did. He was incredibly disrespectful He was profoundly self-centered. He went to his dad and he said, I want my inheritance now. This was in a culture that made a really big deal about honor and respect, especially for one's father. What this young man was saying was basically the equivalent to saying, you are dead to me, dad. And for some reason, the father gave his son, a third of his wealth. Why a third? Well, because at this time, the oldest son was entitled to a double share of inheritance. And so if there were two sons, this is the only math we'll do all day, but if there are two sons, the older one would get two-thirds and the younger would get one-third. Keep that in mind. It's going to be important later on. Jesus doesn't tell us why the younger son wants to leave, but it's pretty apparent, I think. Like like the son in my story, this younger son wanted to be free to live his own life. He wanted to be able to make his own decisions. And it's quite possible that he wanted to get away from his perfect older brother, the one who was so hard for him to live with. The younger son left. And he engaged in what Jesus called wild living. That word wild can be translated as senseless, wasteful, or reckless. He squandered everything. And he had to live with the consequences. He went from living high on the hog to literally living with the hogs and thinking that their food looked better than anything that he had been eating. The young man was filled with shame. 
he had one of those really lucid moments where he finally saw things as they really are, and he didn't like what he saw in himself. He felt irredeemable, unworthy, and he was filled with regret. For the first time in a long time, his, his thoughts turned back to home, and he began to think of his father and all that he had when he was there and how great it was. And then he began to think about how, how gracious his father had been. Any other father would have run him out with nothing. But his father gave him that inheritance when he asked for it. He knew that he could never be restored to sonship. So he came up with a plan. He, he came up with this plan to ask his dad to make him like one of the hired men. Now, there were two types of people that worked the grounds outside of families in this culture. There were the servants who lived there with the family, and then there were the hired workers who lived in a nearby village and made a wage. The son says, I'm not even worthy to live on the grounds with my dad, but if I can become a hired worker, then I can begin perhaps to pay back just a fraction of what he has given to me. The son was lost. He knew he was lost. His dad knew he was lost. His brother knew he was lost. Everyone knew that he was lost. But he is not the only one who was lost in the story. Let's take a moment and talk about the older son. Who is this older son supposed to represent? Well, we can get a hint of this when we look at the original audience for the parable, let's look at the first two verses in Luke chapter 15. It says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. So there are two types of people that are mentioned in this passage. You have the tax collectors and sinners. These are the people who are broken and they're lost and everybody knows it. And then the other types of people are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. These are the people who are, who are considered moral people who follow all of the rules. And Jesus told this parable in direct response to a challenge that he received from the Pharisees and, tax, and, and teachers of the law when they said that he was eating with immoral people. Can you see how these people relate to the older brother in the story? The parable is told for their benefits. Jesus wanted the religious leaders to know that there's reason to celebrate that these people want to meet with me. And there is another type of lostness, and this kind of lostness is even more dangerous at times because the people who are lost don't even realize that they are. They live at home with the Father, but they have never experienced true joy. And being at home feels more like a burden than it does like freedom. They're generally viewed as moral people, but they've, they've never felt that goodness and that love and experienced all that the Father has for them. 
the brokenness of the elder son's heart is really revealed in his response to his brother's homecoming. People are telling him, hey, your brother's back. This is great, isn't it? He wants to turn around his life. It's great, right? Wrong, says the older brother. He's somebody who believes that every silver lining has a cloud. And in this case, the cloud is his brother. And he is not happy about how this is going to affect him. You know, one of the ways that we can tell that we have a little older brother in us is if we have a hard time rejoicing and celebrating the, the good fortune and the good happenings in the life of other people. The older brother had a squeaky clean image, but he was certainly not perfect. He's jealous, angry, touchy, resentful, insecure. His blindness and his self-righteousness are destroying his soul. And he doesn't even realize it. Jesus once said that the elder brothers, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, are those who clean the outside of the cup, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Doesn't sound like freedom to me. Outward morality cannot heal our inward brokenness. Only Christ can heal our brokenness. This older son also disgraced his father, just like the younger son had done. The party that his father threw would have been a huge public event. People from the village would have come to it. And the son's refusal to participate was an open rejection of the father and his goodness. Again, this was considered unacceptable in a culture that valued honor and respect. You can certainly understand, though, why this brother was upset, right? It's not fair. Look at what I've done for you all these years. It's not fair. We've all said that, haven't we? It's not fair. There's this comedian, his name's Tim Hawkins, and he has a, a little bit he does about a trip that he took with his family to Six Flags. And he, he talks about, you know, it was, it was a great day, but I spent half a grand And he taps on the mic, half a grand. Then then as he's driving home that night, he hears his daughter crying in the back seat. And he turns and says, sweetheart, what's wrong? And she says, Billy's dad took them to Disney World for a week. (laughs) And we only got to go to Six Flags for a day. We hate you. He says, how ungrateful is that? We like to make comparisons, don't we? We say it is not fair. And we do that when we're focusing on what others have instead of being grateful for what we have. We miss the blessing of all that we have. You know, the elder son was right to say it wasn't fair that that the father received the son back in that way. It wasn't fair. The younger son did not deserve that grace, but that is how God reacts to us. And I am thankful that God is not fair because we would all be in trouble if he was. The father's treatment of the older son wasn't fair either. The older son had rejected his dad in a different way. 
By disgracing his father, he had shown, showed that he cared probably more about his inheritance and about his money than he did about the father himself. And yet the father greeted him tenderly, saying, My son, you are always with me, and everything that I have is yours. The son was still in line to receive far more than he could have ever possibly earned on his own. Remember earlier I said the older son was entitled to two-thirds of the inheritance. He was actually still in line to get more than the younger son had got when he left. You know, it is impossible for us to have joy when we are making comparisons. Let me say this. The older son's problem was not his obedience. If, if you identify with the older son in the, in the story, the problem was not that he was obedient. God smiles. Let me be clear. God smiles when his children obey. That's a good thing. The problem was his self-righteousness and his unaddressed brokenness in his life. So we have two brothers in the story and both are lost. In the book entitled Prodigal God, Timothy Keller reflects on this parable saying, Jesus uses the younger and elder brothers to portray the two basic ways people try to find happiness and fulfillment, the way of moral conformity and the way of self-discovery. The older brother represents the way of moral conformity, and the younger brother represents the way of self-discovery. Both approaches, Jesus says, are deficient. Neither approach leads to freedom. The younger brother wants to be free to live his own life, to make his own choices. He wants to be free from the moral constraints of the culture that he grew up in, free from his brother's judgmental eye. Sadly, though, when he goes out to find himself, he finds himself enslaved. He finds himself enslaved by the very things that he thought were going to make him free. Perhaps you can relate. The older brother seeks to find freedom through control. By, by conforming, he, he believes that he's going to get what he wants. If he does everything right, then his father is going to owe him. He obeys, but only to get things for himself. Again, this approach doesn't lead to freedom. So now that we've established that we have two lost sons in this story, let's talk a little bit more about the father and his actions. And remember, the father represents God. The parable is usually called the parable of the prodigal son, but Timothy Keller, by the title of his book that we quoted a minute ago, The Prodigal God, suggests that maybe we should use that term for a different character in the story. Why? Keller writes this. The word prodigal does not mean wayward, but according to Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, recklessly spendthrift, it means to spend until you have nothing left. The father in the story is the one who spends extravagantly on his son. First, he grants that younger son's premature desire for his inheritance. He doesn't run him out, and he takes he absorbs the financial loss. He is the one who has to take on the rejection and the pain associated with that. And he does it all without his love diminishing in the slightest. Then when his son returns, he goes running, 
running to his son. Dignified Middle Eastern patriarchs did not run. It was considered undignified. It was considered something for children to do. This father completely broke with social convention, and he sprinted towards his son. He had this outward expression of emotion and love, embracing and kissing his son in public. He gave his son the best robe, his robe, as a sign that he was back in the family. He gave him this huge feast with the fattened calf, which was the most expensive kind of meat in a culture that did not have meat at at all the meals that we do. It was for special occasions. The father is extravagant in his love, and he reveals the heart of God for all who have lived far away from him. If you feel irredeemable, if you feel unworthy, if you are in a place where you just don't know what to do and you're full of regret like the younger son. If you've run away from God and you you were pursuing things that you thought would make you free and you found out that it's not all that it's cracked up to be, I want you to know that freedom is closer than you think. True freedom begins when we acknowledge our brokenness before God and we confess those things to him. It comes when we stop pursuing all of those other things and start pursuing the Father who waits for us and who will come running and embrace us and throw a party for our homecoming. Father had a lot of grace for that younger son, didn't he? The Father has a lot of grace for the older son, too. This son rebelled against his father. He insulted his father publicly, and his father Instead of disowning him, instead, he reminded him of his favored position in the family. And he makes a loving plea. He says, come, come into the party. Come experience the joy of your brother's return. Let go of your bitterness. Come experience love. Now, you might have noticed that Jesus didn't actually finish the story. He didn't tell us what the older brother did. That's because he was making a plea to those Pharisees and those teachers of the law who were questioning him. He was saying, let go of your bitterness and your self-righteousness and your judgment and see the good thing that is happening here. A person who was lost and hurting and alone and broken is back. This is a time to celebrate. Experience joy and love with me. For elder sons and elder daughters, freedom begins when we also look inward and admit that there are broken parts within our souls. When we confess those things and admit our need for a Savior. When we stop trying to earn our salvation and allow God to do his work in our lives. When we do that, we receive God's mercy and his grace Then once we've received that grace, obedience happens again. But it doesn't happen because we're trying to gain control or we're trying to fit some moral moral compass that, that we think that other people have given to us. Obedience happens as a loving response to the gracious inheritance that we have received from the God, the Father, who greets us with open arms when we turn back to him.
So whether you are an elder son or daughter or a younger son or daughter, may you look to the Father alone. May you experience that unmerited embrace and may you find freedom. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this story. Wow, there's a lot in there. A lot to reveal the waywardness of of humankind. But more importantly, a lot to reveal the love and the grace and the mercy of our Father. Lord, I pray that during this season where we look inward, where we think a little more about what you've done in our lives, where we give sacrificially so that others may find freedom through the gift of water and sanitation and hygiene. I pray that during this season, you would stir in us an awareness of who we are, of what we have in you, the gracious inheritance, the love, and the grace, the mercy that are available in you alone. And help us to look to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.